Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. In the final chapter of 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul uses a few very short verses to point out 15 different items that he was concerned about in the experience of the young believers in Thessalonica. He gave them this list against the backdrop of his fellowship in chapter 4 concerning the Lord's second coming, the rapture of the church, and the judgment seat of Christ, which will impact every born-again person at the Lord's return. No doubt this word sobered them and brought forth a watchful attitude as they contemplated meeting the Lord of Lords and King of Kings face to face. Then, in verses 23 and 24 of chapter 5, he summarizes his burden in a marvelous and clear utterance that reveals both God's operation and the need of man's cooperation. And the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. And a rare opportunity today, Matt Miller has joined us in the studio. And Matt, you know, uh, you've sat in and filled in for me on a number of occasions when I was not able to be here. And uh, now here we are for the first time both together. I don't know who should be host and who should be guest. How about we just fellowship our way through this program today? Sounds good to me, Chris. This is a good portion, isn't it? It's very good. I uh, especially appreciate the title, The Cooperation with the Divine Operation. I hope today's radio program could be just that. Yeah, we had these items we covered on yesterday's program. Francis was here honoring the leading ones, uh, being at peace, admonishing the disorderly, consoling the faint-hearted, upholding the weak, being long-suffering toward all, not rendering evil for evil, always rejoicing, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in everything, never quenching the spirit, not despising prophecies, proving all things, holding fast what is good, and abstaining from every form of evil. Quite a list, you know, when Paul gets into this chapter, he doesn't have time, it seems, to develop these points, all of which could have, I'm sure he had a lot to say about, but he is burdened to bring them all forth in a very kind of a practical way after we had this, you know, grand picture, kind of overview picture of the Lord's coming. So certainly there's some relationship here, isn't there? Absolutely, and it seems like uh, the subject of the epistle, First Thessalonians, is a holy life for the church life. And it seemed like in Paul's talking to these new believers He's got a lot to say to them. He comes to the end of his epistle, and it seems like he's got a lot more to say, and he's run out of time. Right. And so he lists all these items, which every single one of these items you could give a whole message on. But Paul doesn't. He just enumerates them one by one like you just did. And then he ends with verse 23 and 24, like you said, somewhat of a conclusion, which ties it all in. You know, yeah. The last point, number 15, was abstain from every form of evil. 
And then verse 23 goes on to say, and the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. So you can see the contrast. We need to abstain from every form of evil. That's our cooperation. Then God will sanctify you wholly. That's God's side. Yeah, the two sides really are the focus of our program today. And uh, obviously seems the burden of the apostle writing this letter. And it was the burden of Witness Lee when he was sharing this message. Why don't we get to it? Sounds good. Good. Here's Witness Lee. From verse 12 through verse 22, you count how many items are included here. Why? Why? Because Paul, on his heart, still had a lot to teach to the new believers. Yet he didn't have the time. So he just piled up all these items together. The ending includes so many things. Nearly every item needs a chapter. Verse 23, look how it begins. And you do all the foregoing things. You do. You rejoice. You pray. You give thanks. You hold fast what is good. You abstain from every form of evil. This is on your part. And the God of peace, he will do his part. To live a holy life for the church life, we need to cooperate with God's operation. God is now indwelling us. The indwelling triune God is operating within us all the time. This is why we shouldn't quit the spirit. Actually, the spirit is just the process triune God. This spirit burning within us is just the triune God's operation within us. And what we need is just to cooperate. And how to cooperate? You just take care of all the items. All the items. Regard the leading ones. Be at peace. Console the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Belong suffering to all. Do not render evil for evil, but always pursue what is good, then always rejoicing, and seedingly pray, and everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecy, but prove all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. All these are your cooperation on your side. You need to cooperate. And on God's side, He's operating. He's operating not above you. He's operating within you. And the God of peace, He Himself sanctify you wholly. Two sides. He operates, we cooperate with His operation. This is the ending of this book. Matt, you read the title of the message at the beginning, mentioning both of these items, and now we just heard him uh, spend about two and a half minutes talking about these two items, man's cooperation and God's operation. Um, You know, historically, these two sides have been even debated or disputed about you know, among believers. You've got schools of theology on 
man's responsibility and another whole school of theology on God's sovereignty and God doing everything for man. But really, if our eyes are enlightened, there isn't a conflict here, is there? No, there's not, Chris. In fact, uh, there's quite a compliment. Not just is there no contradiction, it's actually a compliment. I think for me personally, this very compliment helped me understand so much in the Christian life. Yeah. Because to me, when I was a young Christian and I saw some believers, they didn't care at all. They weren't doing any of these 15 things, but they were a believer. That was a contradiction, Mm. is to see someone who depended only on God to sanctify them, but they didn't have any effort on their part to keep from quenching the Spirit or abstain from any form of evil or or any of the other points here, respecting the elders. All these 15 points have to do with our side. We have to cooperate with God's operation. And if we don't, that's the contradiction. Now, you mentioned the conflict in uh, church history over the years where some people say, well, is it God who's sanctifying? Is it God who's doing it? Or are we doing it? Right. That's the conflict. Well, the answer is yes, God is doing it, and we are doing it. It's not us on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. We as Christians cannot fulfill the Christian life by ourselves. The more you try, the more frustrated you'll be. But it's God who operates. But if you just let God and you don't do anything, that doesn't work either. I was going to ask you to embellish that a little bit or develop that because there's another, I would say, pitfall here for the believer, especially when we hear this kind of fellowship. Nor really is it, I guess I'm, I'm asking a question by making a statement and then I'll have you respond to it. I would say, nor is it either that the Lord helps us do it. You agree or disagree? Well, I wasn't quite prepared for that question, but I guess the element of surprise is good. (laughs) No, it's not that the Lord helps us. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So it's not that he's helping us. He wants to live through us. Yes. I mean, Watchman Nee's book, The Normal Christian Life, talks about the Christian life is Christ living in us. It's not Christ helping us live a Christian life. Right. I did surprise you, but you came through, Matt, at least that's where I was going. And that is a real revelation in and of itself, isn't it? That it's Christ living himself out in us, not just assisting us to try to live a Christ-like life. It's a big revelation. It is. Paul talked about it in Philippians 1 when he said, uh, for me to live is Christ. It's not me living with Christ helping me. It's actually Christ living through me. He brings up this matter of God's operation in our cooperation in other passages in his writings in the epistles, the heart of really the New Testament. This passage that I thought of, and I'm going to read now, really isn't in this message per se, but it easily could have been, it seems to me. I hope I'm not too presumptuous in touching these verses in Philippians, but it seems to me like these are somewhat the hallmark verses on this topic. Chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul said, So then, my beloved, even as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much rather in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, For it is God who operates in you, both the willing and the working for his good pleasure. Seems like a paradox, doesn't it? Yeah, but the verse sure fits. It sure does. That's the same paradox, uh, the same cooperation that we see in 1 Thessalonians 5. So it's a very complimentary verse to what we're talking about today. Good. Glad I have your approval, co-anchor, co-host here. (laughs) Let's go back to Witness Lee. The God of peace himself sanctify you holy. 
then may your spirit and soul and body be preserved. Even this one verse has two sides. God sanctifies, that means God takes the initiative. But your spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved. This is a kind of active passive voice. O Lord, may my spirit and soul and body be preserved. Who take the initiative? Surely me. But who does it? Not me. But he does it. I take the initiative, yet he does the work. I sure like to have my spirit, my soul, my body preserved. But I cannot do it. I take the initiative. Lord, you have to do it. It's very meaningful. Do you have the desire that your entire being, the three parts, spirit, soul, and body, be preserved, complete? Do you have such an aspiration? If you don't, you have to pray, Lord, have mercy upon me to have such an aspiration. Now cause me to long for this. Oh, may my spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blemish. Here you could see Paul's writing. It's not according to doctrine. This is altogether according to his experience. This is Paul's desire. This is Paul's wish that the God of peace would sanctify the believers holy. And that the believers may have a desire, may have an aspiration that their spirit and soul and body be preserved, complete, without blame. Could you see God's operation and our cooperation? Chris, let me jump in and ask you a question before you ask me a question. Oh, okay. Turn so, the tables. Uh, I'll turn the tables <laughs> on you here. You know, uh, Witness Lee just asked us, can we see God's operation with our cooperation? And I want to turn that question to the listeners. Do you see God's operation with our cooperation? I feel like we just need to have a stop, a selah. This is what the message is about today. This is the point that it's not God's side or our side. It's yeah. both sides, right. isn't it? It must be. And in fact, it is when we compare it, perhaps not with our own uh, personal persuasion regarding theology, but if we compare it with our own personal experience. Many times it's impossible to say where the initiation is coming from. I heard in this uh, portion he just shared, and one time he says, God initiates, and another time he said, we initiate. And oftentimes it's God's initiation in our initiation. And our initiation may just be, Lord, I don't have this kind of desire. I don't have this aspiration. Have mercy on me. Right. And is that the result of my own piety or God's working already in me? Who can say? I think the point is, is that, you know, we mentioned theology a minute ago. He just said here, Paul was not concerned, wasn't burdened about doctrine. I don't think he was 
worried too much whether he was sounding Calvinistic or Nazarene here. I think he was trying to inspire these young believers and thereby also us that we do have a part to play, but we cannot affect our own sanctification, can we? But we can turn to him. We can invite him to sanctify us. And without that, many times the Lord is somewhat frustrated and is stopped in his desire to sanctify us. And this verse that is really sort of the center of this portion, and in many ways centerpiece of the whole book of First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 23, and the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way we can do that in and of ourselves, is there? We can't preserve ourselves. We can't sanctify ourselves. Yet he desires to possess us, sanctify our entire being. In uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, it says that that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He takes possession initially of that first part of our being, that part that he reserved for himself. But in Romans and other places, like 2 Corinthians, he talks about the need for our mind to be transformed in the spirit of our mind. And beholding and reflecting him, we're transformed into the same image. So this is really referring to our soul, which is our person, our whole inner being. And ultimately, to come back to Philippians, in chapter 3, the last verse, he says, who will transfigure the body of our humiliation to be conformed to the body of his glory, according to the operation by which he is able even to subject all things to himself. So this is ultimately the sanctification or the possession by God of actually our physical body. So all these things form the heart, the kernel, the core of God's desire to work himself fully into our being. It requires our opening, our prayer, our longing, but it really is only accomplished through his working. How about your experience? Can you echo this? What do you think, Matt? Verse 19 specifically says, do not quench the spirit. Yeah. That implies that we can quench the spirit. And so in my experience, I have two different experiences when it comes to that. Sometimes I'm enjoying the Lord, I'm loving the Lord, something will come up and I don't quench the Spirit. I go along with the Lord and I agree with the Lord and I don't do that certain thing. At other times, I'm weaker, I haven't been enjoying the Lord as much, I have been distracted and something comes along and and I have the experience of quenching the Spirit. Yeah. And it grieves me to do that. And And so what do I do? Witness Lee said, if you have the aspiration, then you will cooperate. If you don't have the aspiration, just ask the Lord for mercy. It's at those points, Lord, I need mercy. And and I wonder sometimes, Chris, am I more sanctified when I'm so confident that I'm going along with the Lord or when I'm failing and coming to the Lord in a humble way, asking him, Lord, have mercy on me. Give me the aspiration. That's a really good question. I'm going to turn it back now to Witness Lee and to you for the final portion. Interesting, once again here, Paul sets up this whole portion with his uh, burden in chapter 4, encouraging and filling the believers with hope regarding the Lord's coming. Then he has this watchful and entreaty for them to be sober, uh, somewhat putting the fear of the Lord's return in them at the beginning of this chapter. Now we have the sanctification, and once again he reminds them at the end of chapter 5, verse 23, He adds this phrase, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So 
it's all sandwiched, isn't it? This whole matter, all these practical points, his desire to inspire the believers to cooperate with God's operation. He sandwiches it between the Lord's coming on both ends. Really meaningful. We need to be sober for the Lord's coming, and if we're not sober, we won't be ready when he comes back. How about if we go to Witness Lee for this final portion? I think it's a really special portion, especially related to the matter of the Apostle Paul asking these new young believers to pray for him. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this refers back to chapter 4. Believers, are you excited? And the Lord is coming back? Are you waiting for his coming back? You say yes. Okay, you need to practice verse 23. You need to practice verse. You need to be sanctified holy. You need to be preserved in all your being. If not, you are not ready for his coming back. You must be sanctified and preserved in this way. Sanctified holy and preserved entirely. Then you are ready. You are prepared. You are qualified for his coming back. Are you excited at his coming back? You are. But are you ready? You have to say, not yet. So, he has to delay his coming back. To get yourself ready, you need to be sanctified. Sanctified holy. This is the ending of this book. Then, Paul assures us that God is faithful. Faithful is he who calls you. Who also will do it. As God has called us, surely God will accomplish his calling. Then verse 25, brothers, pray for us. I was uh, somewhat shocked. I don't think for myself I would ask some believers who have been in the Lord just for six months to pray for me. I wouldn't say I never did this, but <laughs> very rarely I did. Paul asked this New believers who have been the Lord less than half a year to pray for the apostles. We do believe. Don't despise the little ones. Ask them to pray for you. Matt, you asked a kind of a rhetorical question near the end of that last segment. When are we more sanctified? When we are full of our pride in the fact that we're cooperating or when we have really humbled ourselves and failed and had to ask the Lord for mercy. In other words, expressing a real humility. Seems like Paul answers that question for us, doesn't he, here in this chapter at the end? Well, he sure expresses a lot of humility in opening up to new believers to pray for him. And as I was listening to Witness Lee talk, I don't want to compare ourselves, Living Stream, to the Apostle, but he asked them to pray for him. Yeah, And we have constantly asked our listeners to pray for us. And, you know, I don't know how mature they are in the Lord, how young they are, but we covet the prayers of all the listeners. And it would be good for us to know who you are so that we can ask you also to pray for us. And we can pray for them. Absolutely. I'm sure there are many out there who are older in the Lord than you and I, Matt. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I'm not sure who the real infants are here. (laughs) Well, this has been enjoyable, man. I appreciate it. As I said, uh, 
you fill in in the past, and in fact, uh, probably next week you'll get another chance as I'll be away for a few days. And uh, so, if you uh, haven't heard Matt in uh, my chair before, you will get that uh, blessing next week. And I hope we get a chance to do this again. Me too, Chris. As uh, Matt just encouraged you to contact us, I would just uh, add uh, my encouragement as well and give you, of course, our toll-free number, which we do each day at the end of the program. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Join us again tomorrow as we continue our live study of First Thessalonians. For Matt Miller today, I'm Chris Weil. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online, free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70-plus years of ministry, and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge, at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.